I started learning, I was interested in typography then. It, you get into the culture of it, how the words are used. Being a good calligrapher, 1,000 pieces in this foundational slanted. Hi everyone, welcome back to Calligraphy Masters podcast. Before this uh, podcast starts, I want to say a few things. This podcast was recorded back in 2020 and uh, it took a long time to come to life but uh, there are reasons for this and in the end of the podcast i will explain why it took three years to <laughs> release the podcast uh, this was a podcast i was very excited about back then john stevens just uh, became a member of calligraphy masters crew and uh, i was super excited and super nervous for the first 10-15 minutes so please don't pay attention to me yeah, I hope you enjoy the podcast. First of all, tell me how to say your name. Is it Milan? It's Milan, but uh, Milan works fine because many people which are not Bulgarians call me this way, so it doesn't really matter. Okay, also, what time is it? Like uh, 9 p.m. Okay, not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, yeah, I've done worse like in the middle of the night, but that's perfect. Well, it's great to finally meet you. Well, I'm, uh, I'm super excited and... Uh, I'm very nervous, actually. <laughs> Just but, people talking, that's all it is. Yeah, I mean, you can start the recording because I want to record everything. And uh, I just uh, want to ask you, how should I call you? Should I call you Mr. Stevens, Master? Oh, or... no, 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 no. I'm John. Okay. That's, that's uh, it. Uh, I'm super happy to have you on the podcast, John. It's a, it's a huge honor. As I said right, right uh, seconds ago, I'm very nervous right now. My Heartbeat is going like crazy. And uh, I mean, you said we're people, but uh, you are like uh, a living legend for me and for many other people. And uh, this is the, probably the most important podcast that I've done. And it's a huge honor. And I'm super grateful that, you, that you're up for it. Thank you. Um, it, it is an honor. Uh, it's an honor that people like you are enthusiastic. You know, I started when this was a very lonely field to be in. And it's, it's um, you know, being made popular in social media, um, I gotta remember, even though sometimes I'm put off by a few things that I see, I have to remember, enthusiasm counts for lo a lot. It, uh, it's important. And um, it keeps the idea of the handmade letter form in front of people. I, an example is, I never thought I would see the day that Matt Center window glass gilding would be used ever again. I mean, I, I, in the beginning of my career, I used to do that. And I thought it was over forever. And now that I see young people doing it again, I'm like, it just amazes me. So I don't know that much about you, but I know you're part of that. Uh... Uh, there is nothing to know about me. I'm just a person who loves calligraphy. I've created Calligraphy Masters and uh, more than happy that you are a part of it. Uh, we'll speak ab about it a bit later. If I'm not speaking well, I'm really nervous. It's, uh, I can't explain what, what it feels to have you on no, the podcast. Let's, let's relax a little bit. Uh, for starters, I, it, what's impressive is you are um, having to do this in a, your second language. So um, that... You know, I'm, my wife is Japanese, so I, I understand that, you know, that it's a, it's a little bit of a um, handicap for you. Not, your English is perfect, but uh, 
it's still you have to think in a different language. No, I don't know. Like I've been living outside Bulgaria for quite some years, and I'm used to speaking English. Like I don't, I understand it's not perfect, but I mean I'm doing well. And uh, the thing is, look, look, uh, I'm missing my. <laughs> I start talking something and I forget it. I'm really nervous. I, I'm sorry. Like I, I guess it's. I only need some minutes. I, I need to believe that this is real, cause. <laughs> I know, you know, I looked it up. We've been talking about it for almost a year. Yeah, that's crazy. Like people who don't know, first of all, I, I've been keeping you in a secret. Like last time we were supposed to make the podcast, I said only to two people and Tio's one was one of them. And I, I forget the other one, but I was I want it to be totally secret because it's, it's something huge for me and it's like very important. And this time it's also a secret. It, it, take your time you're doing fine um and uh really I, you know i live in north carolina i walk around here i'm just a regular guy walking around um and that's all it is and no you're a regular guy but you're much more you're like as i said you're a living legend you've done so much for calligraphy you're a huge part of calligraphy being uh, what it is today is it's because of people like you who build a the stairways if you can call it this way to what it is now so well, we um, all stand up we all stand on the shoulders of giants you know well the, that's that's for sure and uh i want to learn what are the giants you are stepping on but we'll talk about this in a bit so for me i i, I don't know so much your history like your journey and stuff like this i have some basic ideas and knowledge and what people told me uh, you're super important. I love your calligraphy. I've been following it for since the very beginning. And uh, for people like me, and I mean, you're another generation, and the audience of calligraphy masters is are many beginners and also young people. And I know for sure because people like you, they're not so much into into technology. Uh, unfortunately, not uh, many people know who you are and your journey and this is one of the reasons i wanted to make this podcast because uh with with what is calligraphy today there are a lot of young people becoming skilled in something and they start teaching and a lot of people do not know about the real masters like you and uh, i want to know about your journey like how old are you where are you from and uh, in what time of your life you started calligraphy was it like something that you had love for letters in all your life or something happened and you met with calligraphy hmm. well you know it's funny I, um you're are you familiar with my book scribe yes i actually oh, okay. uh, i actually made a video like two three days ago top five books for calligraphers and uh, your book was included in the video Okay, I ask because I want to know what I'm repeating, you know. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but um, the short story always was, uh, of course, as a, a child, music and art, that's what I was interested in. Um, I thought I was going to be a musician and I was in bands and all that. At some point, um, the opportunity came to me uh, to go work in a sign shop and I was in my 20s, and I'm in my 60s now. So get you can, for about 40 years. So, okay. um, so as a sign painter, um, it was, at first I thought I was going to learn this very quickly to make 
money to continue with my band and my rock and roll life. I quick, that, that's where I fell in love with letters. The very first day I walked in the sign shop, the fella I was working with, his name is Tony Perner. He's not in any books. Um, maybe someday I can get around to, I, I, I don't even have good photos from those days. We did not take pictures of our work. That was considered kind of like, um, well, let's just say the idea of the selfie hadn't been born yet, you know, yes. and all, and including taking pictures of your work. It was, it was a workmanlike atmosphere, if you can follow what I mean. Yes, yes. So you, you had a lot of craftspeople working, very serious, 99% men, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I was still mixing it up with the previous generation. So I was the young gun and they would be telling me stories of how it used to be and all that kind of thing. Um, but very quickly I caught on and for me to get within like a year to get to gold leaf window work from zero to gold leaf window work, that's considered very quick in, the, in those days. Many people did a seven year apprenticeship uh, or something like that. I did nothing like that. Uh, I the 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 luck for me was this first teacher Tony was a very giving uh, person who uh, liked to see me grow, and that's a rare thing in a teacher. So as fast as I could digest things, that's how fast he would throw them at me. And so I was, you know, you heard the expression jump drop dropped in the dark uh, deep side of the pool. So he gave me that opportunity. I was working on things that were scary to me very early on. Eventually I was doing it in New York City and I have lots of stories because I met a lot of characters. The business was um, crazy. I mean, I, I mean, every business is, but this was a lot of, um, it's all analog, there's no computers. There's no computers, zero. Uh, a calculator, maybe. Um, <laughs> and um so and those were good days i mean uh so uh and my first time ever being published in anything was signcraft magazine in like 1982 okay 83 maybe Crazy. and so i was like you know some kind of new hot shot or something now as everybody knows in the by the uh 83 84 the sign computer came along and uh, the vinyl graphics. Now, people who were older than me, like my teacher, Tony, uh, you know, he, he knew about sign painting. He knew that the world, there was a world called calligraphy, but he knew nothing about it really. He would tell you that. Uh, he's not with us anymore. Um, when I told him I was worried about this computer thing, he thought I was crazy. He says, oh, computer can never do this work. I said, and that's my first experience of, yeah, but maybe it doesn't have to do what we do. That's the thing. There's too many businessmen that would like to have a machine do it rather than pay some, a person to do it. It's very strange. Sounds a little cynical. But um, there was sort of a, a rift between business people and artists, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, so I started planning my exit from the sign business. Uh, I Now... Because I got into lettering and design heavily, uh, I started learning. I was interested in typography then. And type, I realized all the great type designers were at one time calligraphers 
or at mm. least studied it seriously. I mean, names like even Jan Chikold, Jan van Krimpen, Hermann Zaff, those names, they're all, they were all studied calligraphy because they believe that the calligraphic letter is the basis of all letter design, period. So I followed that pathway and then to calligraphy. Now, as soon as I decided to become a calligrapher, um, my income started to drop. <laughs> the sign business was very good. Um, everybody needed one and not everybody could do one. So that was guaranteed work. I never advertised, um, never worried about anything. Uh, so those were, if you hear people say those were the good old days, I'm trying to paint the picture. It's a lot more complicated now, you know? So yes. uh, even when I look at these, I, I, I'm thrilled that young people are doing Mad Center Go Leaf in New Zealand, Australia, uh, some places in Europe. Obviously, Dave Smith in London is an anomaly. I cannot figure out what he's doing. Um, but uh, I was a New Yorker, and um, so you had to be good and you had to be fast. That was the thing. But the world of calligraphy, it's sort of like, you know, people would say calligraphy? Like now you're saying you're going to go back in time and, uh, you know, like medieval scribe, that's all anybody could think of. And um, now when I tried to explain to them that was the basis of letterform design and I was taking it back to the beginning, it was like putting people to sleep, you know? And obviously the world agrees with them because all schools have basically gotten rid of it. They don't mm -hmm. teach it anymore, you know? Yes. Um, and that's kind of sad, but um, so anyway, I tried to build a business around graphic design, lettering and calligraphy. So, um, and it's always been a toss up between what to call it, hand lettering, calligraphy. My website, I think expresses the level of confusion here, but you know, uh, you know, there's designing typography by hand, the, the hand lettering stuff that looks like it was written, stuff that looks close to the typography, handwriting, um, and of course things drawn in vector and and all that. So I, we're in a strange, or I'm in a strange place because people don't really know what it is I do anymore. Um, <laughs> Uh, the things that have taken off on social media are more traditional type calligraphy. Mm -hmm. I, I assume that's because it's obvious to people skill isn't required to do that. Whereas if they see something, the ruling pen slashing up the paper, everybody assumes they can do that with a little bit of practice. I don't know. I don't know. You tell me. Well, <laughs> in, in my experience in our days, because of the internet and the way it runs, for example, you know, Instagram, most of the videos, they are sped up. And when people see some calligraphy video, which is not real time, they see it super fast. They see the person is skilled, of course, but they see it, it, it looks easy. And they expect to grab the pens and to be good in like two days. That's the biggest yeah. problem I think we have in our days. But the fact they're taking up calligraphy or taking up like gold leaf on glass, I mean, there's a, the gold leaf on glass, they're actually taking some extra steps, you know, like because some of the time-saving tricks, they don't know. I almost mm. want to tell, but at the same time, I don't want to seem like the uncle going like this, you know? Um, so it's just great that they're doing it, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, but, and they're into it. It's a culture, like tattoo is a culture. And, uh, and so I really dig that. I never saw that coming. Um, to finish up that last line of thought, so naturally there were a whole bunch of calligraphers I admired and I am essentially self-taught and I just read everything. 
studied everything, looked at everything. And I've tried everything. I've tried type design. I've tried all these uh, different expressions of letterform design. And um, so what remains after all these years is, um, I would say you wanted to know who my uh, sort of heroes were. I mentioned a few names just now, but it's it's a lot of those European uh, Hermann Zoff. I would have modeled my career pretty close to his if if that were possible. If you read if you read his book by the book about him by Jerry Kelly, and I'm not finished reading it, uh, it really tells a great story how he transitioned from uh, World War II into his job. And like all great people, um, a lot of things had to go right, you know, for him. He, he was the youngest art director at Stemple and all these things. So I'm reading these books, even back then, and thinking this must be how to do it, right? <laughs> but I'm going out into the world of New York and people think I'm speaking another language because I'm, I'm about 30 years off, you know. Uh, <laughs> things had already changed. And, and then of course, I walked right into the beginning of the Macintosh stuff. And, and so I've had this love-hate relationship with technology because in a sense, it really hasn't helped me. I know how to use it, I do use it. Uh, but when people say it's such an advantage, uh, I would debate that. I would say, because I st started in the analog days, uh, I would debate whether or not technology has truly been a benefit. You know, yes. people got by, they did great work back then before the computer. Uh, type good typographers did good typography. So, so what's the what's the big advantage? You know, and it's a debatable point. And now my concern is people are lettering on an iPad Pro, uh, and it's got that um, that kind of uh, uh, what do they call that? Uh, this, the, the thing that fixes the stroke automatically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Somebody called it Auto Tune. Yeah. Uh, I don't know uh, the original name, but I know what uh, you mean. Well, auto-tune for, for calligraphy or the brush. And, you know, naturally, because I've spent a good part of my life learning how to do this, that's a disturbing thing. <laughs> At the same time, I told myself when I was young, I was never going to be one of those old people complaining about this stuff. No matter what happened, I would accept that, you know. So, uh, but it does. It is annoying. Know, like yeah. It I is. mean, I mean, I'm I'm 30 years old, and uh, when the iPad thing started popping up, I was very disturbed myself. And I'm into calligraphy from from like six or seven years. I'm I'm I still consider myself a beginner, and uh, it it really annoyed me because it, it kills the a lot of things for uh, for people. I mean, if you want to be a real calligrapher and you start with the iPad, you are already starting very wrong, I guess for me. And I guess you have to have this. Uh, standards or I don't know how to call it. I mean, if you want to be a real calligrapher, you gotta learn Oops. it the original way. It should, I don't know. I mean, there could be people that start on iPad and their whole career could be on an iPad, but I don't know if this can be called a true calligrapher. Uh, what, what I think it is, um, and you know, it's easy to throw me into the category of the last generation and I don't understand technology. But I don't think that's true. Um, what it is, is we don't know what's real anymore. See, when I was studying and looking at stuff, what, what becomes the turn on is you're looking, you know you're looking at real work. You know, you're looking at the human beings are so clever and so their abilities are so um, refined 
and that dedication and all that. That's why people like live performances because they love to see people doing these great things. Hmm. When we're looking through the lens of technology, we don't know what we're looking at. We don't, we, we, I mean, there's clever people using technology, but we don't know if we can trust the image that we're looking at quite the same, at least from a calligraphy standpoint. And I can say about music also, like, uh, like you know, uh, when I was learning, getting guitar effects and things, you had to create that stuff. <laughs> now you can literally model it on your computer, you know? Yeah. And so it makes it less special. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, so it's not, well, oh yeah. And then the worst is when they, I don't know why my glasses keep fogging up, but um, the, uh, you know, it's kind of funny when somebody like, people like to go online and look at something and then say, oh, you use the, uh, the voice box, blah, 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 or you use this. And um, instead of looking or instead of listening, and, um, and that's my, maybe my only complaint. Uh, you look at uh, original calligraphy by what the greats, and you know you're you're looking at a combination of knowledge, skill developed over time, and that's always a good thing to see. You know, like trying to understand like what makes this good, you know, and why the shapes. My first day walking into that sign shop, the first lesson was the shapes of letters matter. I did not know that till I walked into that shop. I thought just like everybody else, letters were like air, you breathe, no big deal. Um, the, uh, but, the, but the fact that they matter, so, you know, because so I'm learning how to do a Gothic S and I realized, wow, there's so many decisions that you have to make in learning about letters. So, so I got a lot into the theory of it. And, um, and right now, you know, I do teach, so this comes up a lot. And, Right now, the model seems to be um, copy something out of a book. Like mm -hmm. I get asked all the time, like, oh, that Italic, what, who did you copy, uh, Riggy or something? And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Eventually it filters through you when you've been looking at enough things and doing it long enough and trying to do work, not just do pieces that are videos on, on social media, you know, but you're actually doing pages of work. Um, mm -hmm. I think it was John Benson that said to me, anybody can make a good letter, making a good page. That's another level. So, um, <laughs> this is a yeah. good one. Yeah. I like uh, this. That's John E. Benson. And uh, if you don't know who that is, you should look that up. Uh, now well, it's I, confusing because it's John Stevens shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, I promise after the podcast, I will, when I'm editing it, I will check all the names that that you that you mentioned and that you, I'm sure there is a lot to see. Well, actually, song. his father is John Howard Benson, and they oh. wrote he wrote a book called The Elements of Lettering. And in any serious class I'm teaching, I ask people to read that book because I still think it's probably the best book on letterform theory out there. Hmm. So, but it's out of print, so you have to go looking on those secondhand websites. Um, yeah, it's by John Howard Benson and Arthur Graham Carey, but it's, it's a concise but wonderful book uh, talking about both the design and the craft of letter making and a, a very um, credible piece. Uh, now I'm going to have to go look at it again because I haven't looked at it in a while, but 
Yeah. But I used to make people read that when I used to teach six month class. And, um, and what I learned was, um, well, that I don't think the average calligrapher is as interested as I was. For me, I was a sponge soaking that all up because again, um, how do, what is, the, what are the top, top people, what kind their work is based on something. I knew that just like I knew great musicians didn't just fall off of their piano or guitar that they actually knew something they understood. They knew when they were in the Lydian mode or the Aeolian mode or whatever, they, they had an understanding of the theory of music that gave them freedom. Um, so if anything comes of this podcast, one of those things would be is that people recognize that study is more than copy out of a book and then regurgitate that, you know, that there's more to it than that. Um, I don't know if that's specific enough. It, I know it would be great to have like a chart showing like here's the Origi A, here's it evolving further and further. And then you'll look at people who understand how italic works. It's like a summary of all the things they've seen. It's not just copying, oh, they turned the serif this way or they did that. Um, so I see a little bit too much of that. Uh, copying some mannerism from the 14th century or something versus understanding. If you see my book, I talk about form, rhythm, and movement. That those are the underlying structural things of good calligraphy, you know, having a balance of those things or, you know, there'll be, so I have it as like a, a triangle and sometimes I push up the rhythm, sometimes more movement, sometimes more careful form, but they, they work together. But I, I also realized that book came out in 2013 and I wrote that 10 years before that, that that's, a, a, you know, then social media blew up and my book I thought was kind of a penetrating look into inside letters. And I realized that's kind of the opposite direction of where things are going right now. You know, it's more like uh, people want, I mean, it's good. They want to copy a manuscript or they want to copy somebody's work. That is the first steps. We all do it. We all mm -hmm. start there. And, uh, but eventually uh, we want to understand the cause of the shapes so that, that we're, if we're making shapes, it's not just because I turned the pen or uh, something like that. Um, in my, in that first job that I was talking about, uh, I had to, I had to learn to draw Helvetica what? from here. Um, I, it's a long story why, but um, back in those days, they didn't have a good, well, we were cutting steel letters this big for, um, for a building. Somebody had to draw them. You know, th they didn't have a reliable way to blow them up. Um, it would have been fuzzy. And the person who cuts them was also a skilled craftsman. And, uh, but they needed a hard line. So I would have to draw these things. But, uh, uh, they print out a blueprint and that would get stuck onto the steel plate and then gets cut. So my ability to do that was a good um, source of income. And it started what makes Helvetica a good typeface, you know, really looking at the shapes, how they relate to each other. So it didn't start with calligraphy. It started uh, on that. Why does, you know, you, look, you blow some typefaces up and they look kind of funky. Mm -hmm. uh, nowadays, you don't see it as much because everything's been redesigned digitally and things have been fixed and changed. But back in the day, everything was based on hot metal. 
you know? Mm. And uh, so if you tried to photographically blow that up, um, there would be things wrong. It would, it would look good in uh, seven or 10 point, but it didn't look good at, you know, a foot or two feet high. Um, so that was also the birth of hand lettering world in the, uh, let's say the 40s, 50s and 60s. I wasn't around uh, for that. But um, if you look up Mortimer Leach or um, Doyle Young, who was a student of Mortimer Leach, those uh, fellas were drawing letters where their first jobs would be like, the art director would say, I want a line of Caslon at uh, 144 points or something, but I want the, it refined. So they would redraw, they, so they all had to draw things like Caslon, Bodoni, um, and the, know how to draw those typefaces and make all the refinements uh, today that people just sit and play with in uh, the computer. And they had to work that all out. And that's yes. what made them professionals. That's and then insane. a few of them got into pointed brush and ruling pen and stuff, but uh, you could make a very good living just knowing how to redraw type properly. If you look at the old lettering books, just the two that I mentioned just there, you'll see that that's what they were doing. So I kind of had a little bit of that job. Are there people are these that, uh, that are doing or at least are able to do stuff like this? Able, yes, I think. Um, less because... Uh, what are the reasons why a publisher would hire a hand letterer? Now it's more about fashion and personality, meaning um, just like anybody, like there's a lot of illustrators, but when they look at a portfolio, does this person have a style? And if mm -hmm. they have a recognizable style and I like it, then they're gonna hire you. It's not just about a general craft anymore. Mm -hmm. So being a good calligrapher is not enough, you know? Uh, now, different versions of that story but if you look at what people respond to um some people develop a style and they work it again and again and again and again i'm more of a design generalist i, I the simple way is i can do a lot of styles mm -hmm. but it's i've looked at letters from a very broad range i i love lots of different things i like the precise work i like the loose work i like uh, expressive uh, abstract work and I like a very classical thing and even I cannot um, really come up with a, a reasonable explanation because usually if somebody's heavy into the classical they're kind of like this about very expressive work and vice versa you know people yes. who are very expressive about their stuff um, think that the classical stuff's too uptight you know and um, so the very tight stuff, for instance, an advertising agency is not going to be interested in. They just, they see that and they go, yeah, type. <laughs> and um, the, the, uh, they, something a little bit more expressive and loose that's going to make their product or ad look special or proprietary. And they are looking for that. They're looking for that. It's just like writing a hit song. Yes. You know? Uh, you need a hook. A good one. <laughs> yeah, you need a hook. So there's lots of great musicians, but not everybody has a hit song. Not everybody's Billie Eilish. That's I just dated this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny because I never thought about it, and, and it, it's so true. It's so true. Huh. Okay. Well, on, I th I get to think about it a lot because, um, well, obviously, it's not just my job. What 
that fellow I told you about, Tony, he used to say, well, you're trying to have a job and a hobby at the same time, you know, because I was that interested. And I am, you know, mm-hmm. all the work that I've done that was not for my job, uh, you know, things that I just wanted to do, uh, you know, a lot, only an artist understands that, you know, that you just want to do it, you know, <laughs> yes. and I would do a lot more of it if uh if it wasn't for the fact that i also earned my living this way you know i have to do projects that actually pay the bills so i want to maybe i'll uh with this question i'll give i'll get you back in the beginning but i'm really curious like uh what's what calligraphy scripts did you start it with and uh What were the struggles you had in the beginning as a calligrapher? How did you overcome them? And what's what's the biggest difference between being a beginner at your time and being a beginner today? Well, you know, I'm going to have to admit that I was unusual because I I was sort of like a kid. I looked at everything and thought, no problem. (laughs) Yeah. And some people would think that sounds arrogant. And I have not really admitted to that, but that was my attitude. You know, um, so I just went into it and said, I'm just going to do it, you know. So I can remember I was so grateful reading Edward Johnston's book that he put he wrote it all down. For the longest time, I was trying to figure things out without reading a book like that. You know, um, I discovered the typefaces by Eric Gill because I was on a quest for like the perfect Roman alphabet. Now I was still a sign painter and I started to recognize things about Roman letters that this somehow this is good, closer to what I like, this is not good. This, and I'd be looking, I'd be walking around New York trying to find the secret, you know, who had, who knew it, things. <laughs> and, and then I started looking at type. And um, as I said, Eric Gill comes to mind with the typeface Perpetua. And not just the typeface, but um, Perpetua 72. Uh, if, if back in those days when they designed typefaces, they designs changed depending on the, how big or small. So 72 is a display size. So he put, it's more refined than the body um, size, like 14 point. I, of course, I studied Gaudi and I studied all those people, typefaces. But then you asked about calligraphy. I read Johnston. So naturally, I went into, Johnston doesn't start with the foundational hand. It starts, he starts with kind of an Irish half uncha. Hmm. He, uh, he calls it flat pen. So from there, that took me over to the Book of Kells. And, um, and right off the bat, I recognized I had a dilemma. Johnson is advocating, just hold your pen flat. And I could see things going on. This is where being a sign painter was helpful. Hmm. In sign painting, there's no such thing as a fixed angle of the brush. Everything is manipulated all the time to get the image on the page. I recognized in the Book of Kells, I don't care what people say, maybe pressure was used, maybe pen turning was used, doesn't matter. Those images are staring back at us Uh, for uh, what, a thousand, twelve hundred years, I forget. But, uh, um, and you know, the technique is um, whatever you think it is, really. I mean, uh, unless we could get in the time machine, uh, they, they did it and they got a certain look to this thing. And, and from that, I, I started working on it. So that had a lot of pen moves. So that was one of the first scripts I was actually learning. And then the, 
Johnston makes the case of, if you follow the evolution of writing, it starts Roman capitals, into rustics, into uncials, into half uncials, into um, minuscules or Carolingian, Carolingian one, Carolingian two. Uh, eventually he distills it to foundational, but I don't think he gets that far in his first book. I think that's later. Um, and then he talks a little bit about what comes after, which is cursive um, and uh, italic, you know. And so those, I went through the whole thing. I just did the evolution of that. So, cause I was on my own time um, and making signs during the day and studying this at night, weekends, or actually I was making enough to take days off and, and really throw myself into this. Hmm. So um, the question was for me is, how do you figure out what is good? If you, you now when I listen to and watch people online, it's usually whatever, whoever they've met, whatever they last learned, that's the thing they think is good. And sometimes they say, oh, this is the best so-and-so. And I'm going, well, you haven't seen everything, you know, you, you don't really know. Uh, it, it reminds me of those uh, Rolling Stone top 100 guitarists of all time. You know, those charts never make any sense. It's just based somebody's opinion, you know. Yeah. But I was on that quest. What is good? What, what, is, what are the qualities you really want? So I'd have to say the one that came the closest was Herman Zoth, you know? Hmm. Um, now, I also know that everybody's influenced, even him. And uh, so I, I really did my homework on uh, who, who was influencing who at what time in history. And um, so that's, you had to find that information. I had to go to the New York Public Library and find old books that were out of print uh, I, the bibliography of some of the books was great. I haven't mentioned Kadich yet. That was another breakthrough. Um, so um, that was also a beginning. But I would say Johnston, Kadich, and John Howard Benson, those three books, uh, Kadich's Origin of the Seraph, Writing, Illuminating, and Lettering by Edward Johnston, and The Elements of Lettering by John Howard Benson and Arthur Grant Carrot. Those were like three very reliable uh, books for me at the time. I was already mindful of the fact that the, the shapes of letters mattered and not everybody had the same sensitive sensitivity or awareness of that. There was some calligraphers, it was, I could tell they were just putting down whatever came off the pen, you know? <laughs> and then other, somebody like Zoff, he was definitely somebody because he was a type designer, the image of letters mattered. But he was, he was trying to shoot for a very high bar, you know? I mean, he, he, he's from Nuremberg, Germany. And that's where uh, I believe the Neudorfer, he had access to a lot of good look, good calligraphy to originals and stuff. But of course he was an unusually bright and talented person too, you know? So um, there were other people who came before him, Rudolf Koch and uh, Rudolf Spemann. And those were two important, I guess you'd call them predecessors, but they both had the same kind of fine sense, sensibilities about uh, Germanic calligraphy. So they really had what I would say a leg up uh, and they had a long publishing tradition, you know, book tradition. And at that time, calligraphy was more connected to books than anything, you know, type and books. So 
they were really focused on um, things. I for, you know, there's so much, so many directions right now. I'm struggling a little bit trying to keep it to your question. There's so many directions we can go in. As I said, I hadn't got into Kadich yet, but Kadich, I would say, is the person. The first time I saw his work uh, is when I declared that I would, um, I could make the transition from because I was already a brush letterer, and he's showing the Roman letter as developed by the brush. Mm-hmm. He made, he's the first person to make that. He's actually not the first person, but he, he's the first person who wrote books about it and demonstrated it regularly. It was mentioned, the brush was mentioned by W.R. Lethaby in the beginning of Johnston's book as a possibility. So there were theorists out there who thought the brush might've been involved. But Kadich was a Chicago sign painter who also became a paleographer and then was a priest and he was in Rome and he started looking at these magnificent letters and said, yeah, you can do those with a brush. So that's the short version. Uh, he made, a, he made a, a demo chart. I saw it and I, uh, I, I, I said to myself, I, recog- I recognize those strokes like that because I'm already familiar with the language of the brush. You understand what I mean by language of the brush? Yes, 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 of course. Okay, okay. So it was very, I read that book in no time. I just zipped right through it and started doing it immediately and taught my first workshop in it in 1981. Okay. Uh, and I mean, I, I, I thought, you know, I'm not ready to teach workshops, but I could do that. And, and convincingly, I could do that. So, and, uh, you know, I, I gave Kadich all the credit and all that. Now, Kadich, uh, he did other things, but that's, the, that's his, what would you call it? His big contribution is this, that brush Roman capital. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I'm doing a book is, um, I'm trying to offer, you know, whatever, 35, uh, almost 40 years insight into the, beyond the obvious ductus, you know. Um, uh, you're, try- you're, you're making a new book? Well, I've been talking about it for years, they, they, but it is, it's happening, the brush book. Okay. The, the Roman letter broad, you know, I'm not doing a commercial. Uh, we are behind on this because I started promoting it like four years ago, and then um, uh, we it got put aside for whatever reason. But um, I, I noticed that in your podcast, I didn't get to watch them fully, but I see you do insert stills, and um, I can send you a still of one of the spreads so you can see what, awesome. kind, of, what kind of book. Basically, it's that plus a brush book that just offer a lot of insight into the brush. Um, wow. things that I teach in the class. I've been teaching this a long time. So things that I teach in my classes. So anyway, that's that. About cla- so, where was, oh, you have something to say? Go ahead, no, I, I think I've, uh, something I'm guilty of is I've spun off into several di- di- directions here. No, so, no, that's perfect. I'm, I'm, yeah. I think it's super interesting. Like for me, it's super interesting and I'm sure people will love listening as well. But I was, uh, I wanted to ask you like, since you've been through pretty much everything in the world of letters, like sign painting, lettering, and typography and calligraphy, is there uh, one of those which is closer to your heart, like that you prefer or love the most? That's a good question. 
Um, I, I, I wonder about that myself. I, I've heard interviews of other people. They can say they have a favorite letter or stuff. I, I can't answer that easily because design is one of my favorite things. I like that I've developed these techniques in calligraphy. I don't think I'd be happy sitting in front of a computer screen all day, but I don't discount that. I mean, it, the computer is a useful type design tool. You know, there's mm -hmm. no reason to go back to cutting letters in metal. Um, you know, um, so, um, and um, do I have a favorite? No. I, I mean, the thing I'm most frequently doing are calligraphic projects. And I go through uh, periods where right now I'm working on vellum in the traditional uh, favorite. You know, I, I think there's something favorite about each thing. So like in typeface design, and I, I that's the one I probably have the least amount of exper experience in. I've done maybe three typefaces. Um, that's the one that requires like lots of patience and vision because it takes a long time to do it. As a calligrapher, you can make a letter in real time and you have instant feedback. Hmm. Um, whatever answer I'm going to give you, I'm probably going to think about three more answers after we hang up, but okay. I think I like pure calligraphy and creating. Now, um, so when those two are combined together, because that feels very good, right? Com com creating always feels good yes. and making feels good. So I think those two are my favorites. And that could happen in a piece that I'm doing for somebody. That could happen in a book jacket design. Um, so there's this performance element that's satisfying when that's working and makes you want to work towards it. You know, as a guitarist, I had to do scales, you know, just to make sure I could do things. Mm -hmm. And there is that kind of feeling that's rewarding when you have done your work and you have the uh, skills, you know, uh, that, 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 and you, you get to experience yourself as being skillful. The other part, creating is always fun. I always say design is a combination of research, and creation you get to do both and those are both fun things to do you know learning about something you know oh you have a company and I have to learn how you fit I have to learn about your culture a little bit I have to learn about what you're trying to say visual uh, language how to say it you know like I, you know I'm not a calligrapher uh, who goes around oh you have a new uh, plumbing business italic you know um you know oh you have a bakery unchill you know it, it's not like that so being able to work those things out there's a there's a um it's not just performance there's a composition element to it that is rewarding so it does i can't name it by just what type of project Be, because calligraphy is kind of uh foggy right now in terms of making a living at it it's hard to pin down one project i don't have one kind of project at the moment as i said i'm working on a large piece on vellum i am working on a company logo i am working on a book jacket um illustration actually and um that's the way the career has been going for the last 15 years or so it's it's things that i can do that are related 
but they're not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. So, and I, if you can refine that question, maybe I can answer it better. I'm also like self-taught in everything, not only calligraphy, but everything and even podcasts. I'm not a journalist. I'm doing it because for some reason I've decided that it's, it's, it's good to, to have a calligraphy podcast. And I'm like, uh, I'm teaching myself with each episode. So I know I'm not like the perfect person to make such things, but uh, yeah, I think no, it's I would too, say, what I useful. say that what I make students do in classes is, you know, making a beautiful page, that is a task because you're going to engage, well, hopefully the meaning of the words somewhat. Um, your ability to, uh, assuming you want a little contrast on the page, maybe title and text. To get that working is a big task. Um, and I think that's a step that a lot of people skip. Um, they, they're making letter for letter, one letters, five letters, they make a word. Uh, and that is not quite challenging enough. If you really, the thing, I, I have a body of work I could, I could pull out and show, like the hero pages of calligraphy. And the, all the good ones that I consider the good ones can all do that, you know, can all make a beautiful page of calligraphy. So if, if you want to hold yourself to a high standard make a beautiful page of calligraphy. So that means design, that means how things relate to each other, the quality of the writing itself or the quality of the calligraphy, your color choices, uh, all of it. And mm. that, I mean, that's a never ending, that's a lifetime of work right there. And I, that's, okay, if you wanna know a favorite, that's one of the, my favorites is having to work that out. If somebody commissions me to write out a text, my goal is I don't want to just do a straightforward writing of the text, of course. So what does it mean? And what does it mean to me? I don't even, half the time, I don't even try to figure out what it means to them because I, I don't want art direction from clients, you know? Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, I got started in this to make beautiful things, you know, and it just so happens it's with letters. So what are those relationships? What are those? So, you look at Rudolf Spemann, he really could make beautiful pages that people would say simple, but they are not simple, not mm. at all. I mean, just what size something should be in relation to another, what weight should it be? You know, heavy, light, should it be flowing? This is the form, rhythm and movement thing. Should it be a flowing text? Should it be a very uh, typographic kind of look to it? So holding ourselves to that standard, which the schools that taught calligraphy used to do, um, is really the next step for people um, who are maybe doing pretty well on Instagram, but uh, looking for the next challenge, not learning 50 styles, but mm -hmm. being able to combine, uh, you know, two or three things well. In fact, it's not even my idea. Edward Johnston said something very similar. And when we think about that book was written 120, you know, almost 100 and well, 115 years ago, it's safe to say. Okay. And his thing was, it's better for a calligrapher to have on, at their fingertips, one or two really good hands and know how to design a page than it is to have 50 different styles and trying to show off. Yeah. And do you like, is there a certain approximately period of time that one hand can be 
I don't know, called mustard. I'm not sure if any style can be mastered. Like I believe that no matter what style it is, I think you can improve it with all your life. I think it's never a point that's okay, now it's mastered. That's correct. It's a, it's a moving target for sure. Because um, the first thing people notice about calligraphy is uh, the, um, is the, there's techniques involved. And then they feel, when I hear somebody says, oh, it took me uh, six months to master. Maybe the technique has gotten easier for them uh, as you would expect if you practice. But their idea of the letter form should also change a little bit, should become more sophisticated. So personally, I mean, if I'm giving my opinion here, most people that write foundational on and show it online don't really know how to write foundational. They don't understand the rhythm of it. They don't understand spacing. They don't understand how important the exit strokes are, entrance strokes are, and the curves, especially the curves. And um, it's a distillation of uh, what Johnston learned about Carolingian and sort of an idealized letter form. Um, and so it's presented as something simple, right? Foundational, mm -hmm. sounds simple. Yeah, and yet, right over here. <laughs> I don't know whose that is. Uh, this is, uh, it's, it's Rainer Wiebe, he sent it me, but I'm not sure that it's original his work. Like right. maybe it's from Cloud Medieval, but I'm not sure. Well, even though it's a video and it's blurred to me, I think we have some issues with VW uh, and um, they, they're, I would say your best model would be Irene Wellington. Okay. And um, yeah, I, I, I would say hers is the most authentic and she's only one step away from Johnston. She was Johnston's best or favorite pupil. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's it's very direct. She was a very uh, direct writer of calligraphy, no fooling around, and at the same time, uh, seemed to understand how that hand worked. Now, what was I thought genius about that was you can compress it. You could expand it, but I don't know why you would. But you could compress it. Uh, Johnston's italic was foundational, slanted, made mm -hmm. oblique. Now, a lot of people didn't like his italic, so that's a personal choice. But anyway, it's, it's um, you know, I don't want people to forget this is supposed to be fun or, in, or enjoyable, but at the same time, uh, like every, when I was young, uh, I made the same, similar mistakes, I should say, is that we're not um, aware of how much was done in the world before we showed up, you know? Mm -hmm. You said you were 30? Yes. Okay. So what happened before 30 years ago, you know, or, <laughs> I mean, as I get older, I'm amazed more at the things that were going on. Now, for my age, I did have some appreciation because I was reading books by older people, you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, and saying, you know, this is genius, this, this, these things these, they came up with. And they, I still feel that way about a lot of it. The people I'm talking about, it's not like, I, I don't have that story where I learned with somebody who was bad you know, and then I had to uh, get educated by somebody else. Um, I always look, I always feel I was looking at the best stuff right from the beginning, you know, yeah. and uh, so how was I guided to that? I don't know. I mean, that's your sensibilities, your, uh, your eye, that's personal from 
person to person how some people recognize same in music you know uh, um, knowing uh, where to go I mean and uh, what's the next thing what what should I be interested in so when I got interested even though I was working with a brush as a sign painter when I got interested in pointed brush very different tool right I just started looking at Japanese and Chinese calligraphy I just soaked it into my brain as much as I could and tried to figure out what was good now uh, about almost 10 years ago I went to a, an exhibition with my wife in a place called Nitan and they had a, an exhibition of Japanese calligraphy it had a thousand pieces in it 1,000 pieces in this exhibition nine floors I think it was <laughs> now trying to absorb all that was crazy <laughs> but you know they they grow up with this and so it's just like learning a language right i mean obviously i'm assuming you grew up in bulgaria kind of like uh, i've been like <coughs> i'm 30 and 10 years of my life i've been living outside bulgaria but more more than half of my life yes your first language which was that the bulgarian okay so you were immersed in it you weren't thinking about it when you had to learn your second language you had there's the level of learning the syntax, but then it, you get into the culture of it, how the words are used, slang, things like that. Well, that's, mm -hmm. that exists in everything, you know? Yeah. If I wanted to play in a rock band, if I wanted to play in a country band, I would have to learn the culture of the country band and start to feel it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, I would be fake, yes. you know? So, um, and that's, so from brush and wild calligraphy, uh, one of the reasons I came up with that form proportion, form rhythm movement, is I was trying to tie those two extremes. Why am I attracted to both extremes? You know, I, you know, if you ask me what I like, I would just say whatever's good. You know, <laughs> and what's good? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I think I liken it to somebody like uh, if you know who Anthony Bourdain was, he traveled the world tasting cuisine in different cultures, right? Okay. I don't remember him ever saying he liked uh, Italian or Japanese, or I think he just liked good in whatever culture he was in. Yeah, I mean, everything, like, I don't know how to, to say it, like, five different things can be uh, in good in five different ways, you know? Right. So it's not a um, trying to be all things. When I'm doing something that's free, expressive, or inventive, I really try to get my mind and my whole being into that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have these arguments in my head, what's correct or what's not correct. I feel my letter form knowledge is solid enough where I don't have to think about that. Mm -hmm. And that was a conscious decision. I'd always admired the musicians. I admired the most when I was doing music was the people who had such great understanding of musical theory that it wouldn't matter. They could understand what they were doing. It's always struck me as funny that the masters like Andre Segovia and the classical guitar had no tolerance for anything other than classical guitar. He didn't. <laughs> if you played the electric guitar, you were no good. If you played flamenco, you were no good. You know, so uh, that always struck me as funny. And I don't know which category Johnston would have been in because um, he has to be a thinker to get to that, to write a book like that. But was he a traditionalist? I don't really hear that language. I don't hear him saying, um, you know, everything the way they used to do it. Yeah, because the way they used to do it in his time 
was Victorian, which is the stuff that's popular now, the, mm -hmm. all, all the flourishes and the uh, pointed pen. So in a sense, when he was doing it foundational, that was a very uh, forward thinking um, person. Um, Kadich was a very forward-thinking person to do what he did. He was going up against hundreds of years of writing about the Trajan inscription and how it was done, and he was going up against that. And I know it's hard to believe. Before your time, people actually hated him for it. Well, yeah, thought he was uh, disrespecting the past masters, uh, and uh, yeah, because they didn't do it that way. Uh, they they felt it was you know looking for all kind. It sounds like argument today in America between the two political parties. <laughs> yeah, but you just said like when you write now, you don't think about it because you're confident confident about it. I don't judge. I don't think about judgments like is this wrong or is this right. Yeah, but uh, my question is, how long time it took you to come to this point? How many years, or I don't know, how long time before you felt this way? Well, you've heard me talk a lot about influences of music and stuff. It's fo I've always followed my interests. That's mm -hmm. how I did it. So if all of a sudden there comes a time when you get tired of doing something, you've done it enough, and you say, I really want to do more of this, and you start, you know, you start surrounding yourself with it. You start thinking about it. And... Um, You know, I'm in probably such a period right now because the world is changing right in front of me, you know. Um, but what, um, I mean, if I opened my book and said this, I could tell you what I was thinking, where I was, and how I was thinking about it. The, um, there's a page, I don't know what page it is, but there's one where it looks very Arabic. People say it looks Arabic. Um, it's a, a quote by Hector, oh, I forgot, but... Um, And all I was thinking, that was a formal exercise. What that means is uh, visually, I wasn't thinking as a calligrapher. I was thinking of, I, as an abstract artist. I want all the horizontals to be the strong mark. Everything else is, can be invented any direction, anything I want to do, but the horizontals and how much variation can we do on the horizontals. So it turned out I did that a number of times and I got a couple of interesting compositions out of it. Uh, so I think a more sensitive or more worldly person would probably not automatically say it looks Arabic, but I think people who maybe don't know world culture in terms of writing and lettering, that's the place they go because that's the closest thing they can think of is because of the way it's weighted. But so is Hebrew uh, mm. weighted on the horizontal, whereas most Latin scripts are weighted on the vertical. Um, so that's what I call a formal exercise, right? Formal meaning it's like saying, I'm going to make a painting with red and blue only, and it's wherever it takes me. That's a formal exercise. I'm not painting a plant. I'm not painting a person. I'm, I'm doing paint on canvas and see, that's what basically Jackson Pollock was doing. That's what, uh, Franz Klein was doing. Um, you make a mark and then you respond to that mark. So that's, that's a little bit on the edge where artists, uh, when they're thinking like artists, want to go. It's not reciting something I saw in a book and I want to do it, but it's more like, can I, back to that hit song analogy, I just did three notes and it, it's something about that that I like and I want to build on that. Can I do it? 
Hmm. And I like to say, and what I've said in my book is I have enough vocabulary, I think, that I can build on that. So it's unknown. So when I first did this piece, I didn't know if I liked it or not. I mean, um, so I was able to suspend judgment during creation and save that for later. And I teach that. That's how I teach. I say, no, 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 don't judge while you're doing Just Yeah, I find myself very often when, I, when I'm doing something, calligraphy, writing, or very often I just write, 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 just for fun or just practice, I don't know. And a lot of times I don't like what I've done. Then I put it away and I see it in a few days or a few weeks. And then I, I find some beauty and stuff. And I'm like, hey, like, I don't like this now. I find something that's really nice about it. That is the artist's process. I mean, uh, you know, I've read a lot about like how people write songs, like let's take Lennon and McCartney and they started songs and put them away for a while because they didn't see the use. And then they pull it out later and say, this works right here. We could do mm. this as that's the artist process. I mean, is to, is to use the things because those times when you're just doing and you're not being so, you're not following an intention other than creation. Um, you know, another part of you can emerge. I, there, there's no formula for this, but be, so I, I separate creation from editing always. And um, so the editing is when you decide what you're going to keep and what you're going to um, um, throw out. And I've had some of my more, I would say some of my more exciting pieces are things that were done that felt very risky and wasn't sure if I liked them. So I just kept all of it and just went through it another time and said, no, no, there's something here I could use. And there's several of those pieces in my book and I've posted them before. Um, but as I say, now, now Johnston was, a, he was not that type. He was, you gotta remember in his day, it was the time of William Morris. And uh, that was, you know, the arts and crafts movement. And so being intentional was his, one of his things, you know? So you really have two forces here with uh, letter forms. You have the craft part and that sort of like is recreating and your personality comes through over time. And then you have the artist side of things where you intentionally want to create something. Mm -hmm. you, and letter forms just happens to be the medium, you know, that you're going to use. Uh, and those two schools get confused by people, you know, and they get into arguments about art and craft and all that. Um, so I live in both spaces. I, I like both things, you know, um, and um, I, I don't see a reason to have a line or a judgment about that. You know, that's why I say, you ask me what I like, I say, I like what's good, you know? So if it's abstract and it's good, um, you know, in my book, what I wrote that people call traditional calligraphy, they say it's like the old fashioned thing and the um, new stuff is expressive. And what I wrote was, and I'm not like patting myself, uh, everything is expressive of something. Hmm. So after a while, people getting their ruling pen on the side and, and creating a page of scribble became empty expression that it didn't have the meaning that the first people who did that stuff trying to get that power in their lives it just became another cliche you know 
it's a cliche to uh, turn up a Marshall amp to 11 and just blast away some guitar solo falling to your knees. That became a cliche. The first time somebody did it, it was cool. But after a while, it became a cliche. So uh, it's not everything is expressive of something. Originality or, uh, you know, I don't think you can like intend to be original. You can just, you can intend to express yourself. And this could be, your favorite work of yourself could be maybe very expressive of who you are at the time. So if you, so Zoff was very expressive of who he was. He has a certain look to his work, a certain feel to his work that says, you know, yes, I'm honoring the words, but it's also Herman Zoff. I have spoken. <laughs> and um, so the, the, the dichotomizing between those two things is to me a mistake. I think, uh, a, an artist cannot afford to have judgments about things like that. So you want to be, you want to have a critical eye, a discerning thinker, you know, um, or critical thinker, but not a judgmental thinker. Hmm. And anyway, so uh, I'm taking up a lot of time here, aren't I? Uh, you don't have much time? No, I said I'm taking up a lot of your time here. No, 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 I can't. I'm I'm just overwhelmed. Like everything you say, like so many things, so many of the things that you are saying are just like mind-opening for me. For things that like I never thought about things this way, and um, I'm just. Well, I've uh, got a few years on you. So. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> like uh, I, I'm so happy about this podcast, and I can't <laughs> wait for people to <laughs> listen and watch it. Okay, I want to ask you another thing. Like, with obviously you are like. Uh, with a huge experience and skills with pretty much any style. Are you still learning new things? Yes. And where from, what, like, what are you, what are the sources that are teaching you or the people? That again, um, I really, I do want to shorten my answers. Uh, but um, I think an artist is always interested in being relevant. So what work to show, what things, I'm, I'm, I'm still humbled by calligraphy. Calligraphy is still humbling. To do it well, to do it at what you know it can be, forces you to be your best. You know, so sure, you know, you can do something at my age and my level of experience and just sort of half do it and it would still be professional, right? But when something matters to me, uh, and I want my work to matter to me, that's going to hold me to a high standard. So I recently did a commission for another letter artist, and it was just a, uh, a set of Gothic capitals. I think um, I mixed Fracture with uh, whatever. And that took a lot of focus, you know, a lot of focus, and it's humbling. But it's joyfully humbling. I mean, um, I felt good after I did it, you know, and I've done it before. And I, a question I always ask myself, after all these years, you know, it's amazing I'm still doing letters. I mean, like, okay, there were times when I thought of different careers. I mean, I tried different things. I, I did, it hasn't been a straight shot for all these years. Um, but the thing that originally attracted me to this still attracts me to it. That's the truth. So... Can you call it the love of your life? I think so. I think so. I, I mean, I still love music too, but I don't have any designs on a career in music. 
um, I, 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 I'm missing a lot of parts, you know, mostly that nobody wants to hear anything from a rate, uh, aging rock star, you know, so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, I think calligraphers will be very interested to hear you. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, uh, some, someday when I'm feeling, uh, you know, I'm a lazy person when it comes to setting up video. That's why I don't have a lot of videos because, oh, getting the camera out and I got to remember this and it's going to tie up my phone and, uh, and I'm, and, you know, my first order of business is to get work and life done. Then if I have time to play and then, you know, when I'm creating, I want to create for myself, meaning I want to do what interests me. And, and the second part is everybody in the world's making videos. So, uh, why do you need one for me? You know, <laughs> um, people have generally been receptive to any time I've done a video. So, but, um, yeah, and I, I, I keep thinking like a, a Skillshare class or something like that. I'm going to have to because uh, I think at some point because it makes sense to do, people cannot come to Cheerio where I teach, for instance. I have been traveling more in the last couple of years, but uh, I've not been to Europe in a long time and I haven't been to Asia in a long time. Uh, and um, so... And thinking of Australia, New Zealand, and Asia, I think of 20 hours on a plane and I just change the topic, you know. I have some secret sources which told me some months ago, maybe more than some months, I don't even remember anymore, that this year you'll be teaching in Europe. Is this still on or? So, you know, Alfredo, uh, is that who we were talking about? Uh, no, I, 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 I haven't got anything. Um, written down a contract so we talked i've been talking to uh um i don't know how who i've been talking to about that i've been talking about hong kong and i've been talking about uh i, I this offer is out there if i want to take them you know maybe germany uh germany i don't know germany 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 hmm? I'm, you know, memory is starting to fail me. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know who that would be. Um, so that's that's a new one on me. Uh, I've been in Germany, but it was, you know, how long ago it was? Let me think about this for a second. This is, so you were born in 1990? 89. 89? Yeah. So you were two years old the last time I was in Germany. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, just, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, what takes... To, for example, if I want to bring you to Bulgaria, like, what's the process? Like, if I want you to come here and teach a workshop in Bulgaria or Europe, anywhere in Europe. Here's the thing with Europe, um, that anytime I've talked to somebody about going to Europe, it's never one place and come home. It's, mm -hmm. And so I've always struggled with the being away for four or five weeks at a time, six weeks at a time. Um, you, my excuse used to be the business that I was in. It required me to be back here and get some work done. But um, it's just, it's, um, it's a costly thing to do. And uh, it makes sense for the different people to share airfare and things like that. So I understand it from that point of view. So that, that's part one. And then the other part is I'm flaky when it comes to uh, like uh, where I'm going. Like I know I'm going to Montreal. I basically have three workshops set up this year that I know I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And 
if it starts to get more than that, I start to get a little nervous. So the last, uh, let's say the intangible is how I feel about the person and who I'm dealing with and if they have rules and things and stuff like that. Um, and then of course, um, I have some personal things. I, I wanna travel with my wife. I want to not stay in somebody's, sleep on somebody's couch. Uh, you know, I don't wanna do any of that. I did all of that, you know? <laughs> uh, so the, I, I've been through that. And so I'm not, um, I think some societies would consider me uh, expensive or, uh, you know, because of that. So. The, it, and the other I mean, thing you is, should be expensive. I mean, with your experience and the things you do, you cannot be cheap. Well, I think a lot of societies look at um, if they can get somebody who's pretty good locally, that that works out better for them, right? I mean, yeah, uh, you know, like in Europe, there are people. Uh, who like to come to the United States and stay here for a while. I mean, like I say, four or five weeks, or maybe United States, Canada, or United States, Buenos Aires, or uh, Brazil, or, or something like that. So um, they, they have somebody home running the business and taking care of things and all that. So, so I guess the answer is personal reasons, really. I, I don't have a uh, policy uh, about that. So I am talking to one person about Italy that I don't know anybody in Germany right now. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, I have so, some ideas for Italy. Uh, okay, well, um, so anyway, the, the, there's been talk about it um, and we haven't nailed anything down and I forget why. I don't know if I forgot to email or they forgot, I don't remember. Um, that's the other thing. When running a business, you know, there's only so much admin work. Do you know what I mean by admin? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, um, so there's only so much of that I can tolerate. It gets too far away from creating and being in my studio and doing artwork. So I tend to um, do as much as I can do the stuff that I can uh, take care of immediately because I have clients. I have clients and I have uh, things to do. And so sometimes I don't mean to be rude. Sometimes I just forget to get back, I get I put it in a folder and I forgot to do that. So there are authors out there, and I guess I just have to commit to traveling and staying out there for a while. You know, um, no. I don't know how much longer I'd be doing that anyway. Cheerio is right here in North Carolina, where I live. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. It's got a lot of advantages. It's got uh, not doing a commercial for it, but it's got a lot of advantages when people come. They can practice all day and all night in the studio. There's no, they don't close it down, anything like that. They're staying there. There's no real distractions, um, and uh, they have you know, a lot of autonomy. And when, lately, when I've taught workshops, they have to, you know, they spend a lot of time setting the workshop, covering the floor with, covering tables. They have to be out of there by 4:30. They can't come, you know. Uh, it's it's a lot of planning for for a workshop. Uh, yeah. Or they don't have a lot of space. They can't take more than 10 people or something. So that's the other problem. Um, so it's, uh, I think it was easier when schools used to teach calligraphy because mm. they could always get the school to sponsor, at least devote the space and to pick up some of the tab. But I think now it's practically 
people having to do it on their own, right? Like find space and, and, and all of that. So anyway, um, I'll think about it. Yeah, I'll think about it. I was just curious, you know, I have, I, I have nothing in mind. I just wanted to know what's the process and uh, yeah. if Well, I what do you think about uh, versus online? Now here, I already know what's missing, which you're not gonna get online is me looking over your shoulder and able to say, let's just this, let's do that. That's the big benefit of doing a workshop in person. Is of course, of feedback course, but I think still online, it's, it will be of course useful for many people which cannot attend a uh, workshop with you. Yeah. But anyways, so, um, I'll check like uh, tickets for North Carolina. Cause <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you would like it. I, I think you would like Cheerio because uh, I mean, there's a lot to like about it. But, uh, you know, I am curious, uh, you, you know, about countries too. I mean, actually, aren't you, are you going to the one in Slovenia? Uh, wait for this. Slovenia? I know there is a summer school in Poland. Wow, you don't know about the, it's a, see this is a generational thing, which is one of the reasons I, 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 want, I agreed to do this is because I know there's a gap, you know. Um, the uh, Slovenia is the international conference this year. Now, how close is that? I'm not looking at a map right now. Is that, well, that's, I mean, in Europe, pretty much everything is close. That's what I thought. I say you're a car drive away, right? More like a train, one, two hour flight. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I say I have no. Um, I'm going to go upstairs and look at the map when I'm done here. But uh, uh, so that's where the conference is this year. So uh, if you, um, it's being run by Lordana, Lordana Zega. Lordana, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So do you know her? Uh, yes. Okay. And I don't which, know her. Which month is this? I'm guessing it's the summer, but I don't know which month. Could be June, could be July. Oh, I'll check definitely. This, this sounds... So, I, and uh, you tell her I told you about it. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so that's where they're going. I know Carl Roars is teaching there. Um, God, who else? I think you and Clayton. Uh, Massimo... Italian fella, Mass, Massimo Polimo. I'm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like uh, I, yeah. With me, I follow so many people, and because I run all the accounts of calligraphy masters everywhere by myself, and there are so many names, and and most like new names, younger people, and I I try to follow a lot of people, but sometimes I know the work. I just don't know the names. There are so many names. I can't remember them all. Yeah, because a lot of the people, like I mentioned on Facebook, when you put that question out there, a lot of them, they're not on social media at all, or mm -hmm. they don't even have websites. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, so, you know, they, but I think people who are passionate about calligraphy have to know about them. And you got to go to books, though, to do it. You know? That's why I asked this question, like, but we won't talk about this because this is, uh, yeah. <laughs> people shouldn't know that it, the video will just pop up and they should enjoy it once right. it's done. But um, I wanted to ask you something. Like when I, uh, when I had the podcast with uh, Jay Quaidman, I think you know him. Yeah. And he said something which I really liked and I agreed, agreed with it, but uh, you can say if it's true or not. He said like that, are days the way like today that we live and what is calligraphy how popular and how many people have 
interests to calligraphy and how many people were involved trying to learn calligraphy is like the renaissance of calligraphy. It's like never before it's been so much interest and publicity about calligraphy. Do you agree with this or? Well, <laughs> um, you know, I've, I, I haven't asked that in a while, but I used to start classes. Are we in a calligraphy revival? Or are we in a kind of a degradation or downturn? And I always get mixed answers. And it's exactly like politics, you know, like what, what you believe. Um, I don't have a, I, I, what does that make me? I don't have a yes or a no about that. There are definitely things, it's, it's obviously popular. Probably the most people that follow me online are all calligraphers and that, that the numbers are, or people who want to be calligraphers. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not to sound like a snob, you have to ask yourself, though, um, at what level are we talking about? Renaissance level? I, I just laid out some stuff here. It's a little heavier than the I got a calligraphy book and I'm copying. Um, and if people if that was starting to increase, if schools were starting to pick it up again as a valuable design tool, if type design programs, there are a couple now that are I just, I, my last class was in for uh, Type West. You heard of them? No. Um, in San Francisco, Letterform Archive. Check out the Letterform Archive. Mm -hmm. And it's a thing modeled on Type at Cooper, but they, they do sometimes bring calligraphers in now. But when that stuff starts to increase, when client awareness starts to become better than what it is, I would say Renaissance. In the last chapter of my book, I mentioned a letter arts museum. And the reason is because the word calligraphy itself is completely misunderstood and means a lot of things to a lot of people. So yes, if you're counting uh, weddings, if you're counting uh, you know, bridal stuff and all of that, it, it's popular. Renaissance is um, maybe, maybe that's not the word he used, I don't know, but uh, um, that's optimistic. How's that? That's very, <laughs> it's very optimistic. Um, and I'm, I'm happy this enthusiasm. See, I chose my words carefully too. I, I'd say we're in a, le a high level of enthusiasm. Uh, I think to say Renaissance is forgetting the fact of the, the advances that have been made. Johnston kicked off a Renaissance. Hmm. It became throughout Europe and later the United States, it got popular and it actually grew, meaning it was taught in all the schools, a high level was reached. This is the time, that was the time of people like Zoff and Eric Lindegren and uh, Carl Eric Forsberg and a whole bunch of names that most young people have not, be, it's available to them. So uh, I'm not being a stodgy old guy, I'm saying investigate those things. Look those things up. Then we'll talk about Renaissance. You understand that a high level was reached and there's still places to go. But if I had to say what was holding us back at this time is it's a lot of showmanship right now, a lot of marketing and showmanship. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I'm not seeing the best work. Yeah. And, and the thing is not, it's okay. Um, it's okay if people are in the learning but they throw out now, this is not a reflection on you, but you must notice that the word master gets thrown around quite a bit, right? 
I mean, mm-hmm. now me coming, when I was coming up, that word was a serious, serious word. I mean, there's only maybe five people on the planet that, that at any given time that would match my description of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have explained why you named yours Calligraphy Masters, that you are, it's a learning tool. It's you're trying to spread the word. Mm-hmm. And that's also why I was interested in doing this. So. But uh, I think there's a lot of self-appointed masters, and I can tell you where it came from, and, you know, uh, master penman this and master that. And um, from where I sit, uh, you know, it's somewhat debatable. Um, And uh, because it's also the quality of the images people are make and the contributions to letter forms. I don't want to be a downer, so I would say I'm I'm, I'm optimistic that, um, like everything, uh, the cream rises to the top, and um, it will uh, ultimately be a good thing, and people should do it. The iPad Pro concerns me a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I I see people can do amazing things, but are, we're we're putting the technology higher than human beings. I think when 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 somebody does a beautiful copperplate script using a brush pen that somebody designed that would have taken Doyle Young two hours to draw in pencil and get it smooth. And they've got it in two minutes because, you know, the tool fixes the letters and worse fixes the smoothness, but not the quality of the form. And it's it's the bad spacing or the bad, whatever. So maybe I'm not qualified to answer this question. Maybe, maybe it's going to go at a new level. I'm very conscious of the fact that when I was young, uh, People who thought they knew music thought rock and roll was the end of the world. I mean, it was horrible, you know. Hmm. And to me, they were comparing apples and giraffes. I mean, they just didn't understand what was going on there. What was the purpose of it? So I don't want to be in that category. So I take the artist viewpoint that it's my job to try to understand it, no matter what what's going on. Um, and I'm still being asked to teach that speaks well, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, there's enthusiasm, um, but sometimes I just have to disagree with, uh, like, with anything. When I see something that I don't think is great and people are bowled over because it's a nice color or uh, somebody has spent money on lighting to get the videos just right and stuff. So it's form, substance, or style and substance kind of questions. And these are hard to answer. Um, I probably should have just left it at, sure, we're in a renaissance. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I prefer your answer. I think your answer is great and uh, it's eye-opening for uh, many people. Like, they, just like it. in music, there's talented people around. That There's always going to be talented people around. There's some genius people around, young people I'm talking about. So they're out there. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not running the preservation society, but I think the thing I'm focusing on is when I see people recycling work that's already been done by another master and giving no credit. And, um, and of course, if you're at my age, you're going, well, this is a regurgitation of Anne Heckle or this or that. So ask yourself, let's ask a different question. How many people have, are doing signature work that is moving the quality of the work forward. Hmm. Not just that a lot of people are doing it, but they're mm-hmm. moving the quality of the work forward. See, we can say that about, 
I've mentioned Zoff a lot because he helped raise the bar of what good was. Remember my original question, what mm -hmm. is good? Yes. So, so how many people, I, I, I see there's a lot of bravura, you know, uh, but the people who were really good with that and also raised the bar, they're smaller amount of them, a smaller quantity. From uh, a generation ago, it would have been Zoff, Villutudes, William Dwiggins, um, and uh, a bunch of uh, other calligraphers. I mean, I just recently was at the San Francisco Public Library. We, we pulled out the work of somebody that is almost forgotten, uh, a guy named Thomas Swindlehurst. All traditional, but it would blow your mind to look at the original, how tight things were, how beautiful they were, just done with a lot of care and a lot of craft. It wasn't trying to get do letter forms that were exciting and out of this world. They were calligraphic letter forms, but they were beautifully done. Mm -hmm. um, Villa Toots was known for his more bravura type calligrapher, but he could do the traditional work too. Um, so that's a, as I said at the beginning, a difficult question for me, but who, how many people are actually raising the bar? Um, uh, I think you explained it very well, and I think uh, you're one of those people, actually. Well, I do get notes to that effect. Uh, I think to myself, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, uh, it's also what we say to people when they get old, you know, it's like, well, you know, uh, you know Billie Eilish, she, uh, she just won a, the Gram a bunch of Grammys. Do you know who I'm talking about? This is? And then she, of course, in one of her speeches, she says, I grew up listening to you all. Well, I know she meant it as a compliment, but it didn't, it sounded more like I'm so much younger than all of you people, you know? <laughs> so you can, you can go either way with that, you know? Um, uh, it just struck me as funny. I, 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 yeah, I don't think it was a bad thing, but uh, because she is so young, you know? I mean, in tennis, there's a girl, Coco Goff, she's 15 years old, and she could have almost won the Australian Open. She was knocked out in the quarters. But she, she took down a lot of people before she left. And then you got Billie Eilish, who I think is, what, 17 years old? Oh. I mean, uh, so, I mean, we are uh, leaning on the youth. And so somebody who's 35, I don't know who that would be, in the music business, being told, I grew up listening to you, might hmm. sound a little strange. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, I can't deny the fact that I've been doing this a long time. And if I have inspired anybody, great. Uh, it's a good time. Let's put it this way. There's a lot more to look at today than mm -hmm. there was 35 years ago, 40 years ago. I just don't know if that's the best thing. I had to work to find things. Yeah. And that was made, and that in a way made me unique. You know, I I have this whole little speech that I give about how Google is supporting mediocrity, right? Because Google does, when you type in the word calligraphy, it brings up the most popular websites. Yes. But what makes those the most popular websites are people who generally don't know that much. Mm -hmm. So that's not the, there's no, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you need somebody to archive. You need somebody to say, curate. That's the word I'm looking for. There's nobody curating. But uh, I mean, I'm assuming, I, I haven't looked at all your podcasts, but I'm assuming you're picking people that you're interested in or you think your followers are listening to. And, um, and that's curating. That's picking 
it's not just open to you know or whatever you know so so google's picking people who have good search engine optimization you know mm -hmm. and and what i used to say when i gave a talk i would say well i go if you type in calligraphy you will not generally find the world's top five or ten calligraphers in that search on the first page or even the second page or whatever yeah generally speaking i haven't done it in a while but the last time i looked i i i can remember there was the free website for type defont and all that it's just going by numbers by what's popular by algorithms and mm -hmm. But people rely on Google every single day. True. So mm -hmm. I was my own Google. I'm going from book to book, looking at things, and then based on what I just saw, picking the next thing. And and over time, my ability to find and answer that question, what is good? And as an artist, changing my opinion when mm -hmm. when you know I I didn't notice this, you know, a year ago, but now i really see what's good about this you know things yeah. like that um yeah so so i hope i have to just trust that human beings will get figure it out you know we'll, we'll, uh, hopefully see, this is unknown territory me talking to you uh thousands of miles away and uh what anybody could get from this i don't know but uh, um it's very strange I still think it's really odd every time I upload something to Instagram. I think it's strange. Uh, well, that I think many of the things are strange, and especially for me, since I'm six years doing calligraphy masters. Before this, I've been just a bartender, you know, for 11 years. And for me, all many things are strange and new, and I have to adapt all the time. But I think it's just, it's very important for us to adapt to all the changes because they are never stopping. And, well, I would say they've, they're not stopping, but they're coming a lot faster. Yeah. Because we have this, uh, the way technology works now for one, social change too, but they're related, mm -hmm. right? Technology and social change are related. Just to look at our last election uh, in America, you know? <laughs> um, and we are, uh, so we have, calligraphy is an old thing, and here it is meeting a new thing you know, uh, to something we've never had before. So yeah. nobody, including me, knows how that's all gonna end up, you know. Um, it's not, it's one thing it's not doing, I can say, it's not really raising awareness on my clients, you know, and saying they're not more educated because of this. They don't, they still ask me questions that are, um, actually, I would say, it could be argued maybe they know less because they think technology is being used. They think, you know, did you do that on the computer or what font is this? I get that one a lot. You know, what font is that? Yeah. And, you know, I just answered that recently on my post and, and I realized it's an innocent question. Fonts are ubiquitous. They're all over the place. And hmm. why would you do it by hand? I mean, to some people, we are like a very odd society of people doing something that doesn't need to be done. Well, yeah, I have so. I, sometimes I have these thoughts, and like, especially lately, you know, there have been some huge fires and lots of tree burnt. Sometimes I'm sitting and thinking to myself, okay, like we love calligraphy, but we use quite a lot of paper, and for paper <laughs> goes quite a lot of trees. And I'm wondering, are we as calligraphy or calligraphy artists like bad for earth? Like, I have these strange questions in my head. And, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, um, I think I would argue that, uh, first of all, we take paper very seriously. Uh, that, you know, I've had people gifting me paper because they know they're not going to use it in their life. Uh, um, things like that. Versus my mailbox being full of junk paper mail. Yeah. That's really much bigger concern um, okay. and wasted stuff like that. We're putting it to good use and I would support that. I would say, uh, uh, I think Zoff once gave a speech about calligraphers do not pollute rivers and we don't, you know, like we're basically good for the ecology. That I could say that if more people were interested like yourself, um, you know, I don't know. I, it seems like there would be less trouble in the world, but I couldn't guarantee that. You know, I mean, I mean, it, it. Sometimes we do need strong people. I mean, I realize in lots of governments around the world, people are demonstrating and fighting young people, and it seems necessary to do that. So uh, I can't just you know say calligraphy is going to cure that. You know, it's like, it's not going to fix that. But I'll tell you. I think the biggest value that calligraphy has is probably it is a contemplative art form that is understood in the East um, uh, as even far beyond any usefulness. It's a contemplative like tea ceremony uh, calligraphy. So even a samurai would learn calligraphy as a, a part of the contemplative nature. Um, you're working both yin yang at the same time. You know, yes. uh, it's the mark and that's the empty space um, mm. that you're always doing that. And forcing you to keep learning, force you to keep growing. Um, and so, yeah, I would put the, in that sense, the passion is, is high and people don't have to do it. They, it's not something they have to do. Um, I guess I'm mixing in my wish for uh, more education uh, on, and uh, people understand what it is, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's not just handwriting. Um, I realize because I know myself well enough to know I go into the deep end, um, even in conversation. I hope this is useful, you know, in your podcast. Oh, I'm pretty sure it is useful for me. I mean, it is so useful for me, myself, just listening and me quite of knowing my audience i'm pretty sure many people will like well thank you for saying that i i would say this i i hear a comment in a class people would say i just need to see your hand doing it and then i can do it and i always say no that is not true you need the image in your mind of what's supposed to happen your hand will look different than my hand even when i see my own hand in video i don't it's weird, you know, uh, but I'm guided by what's up here. And that's what we have to get is that all great art is guided by what's up there. It's not the brush hold. It's not the uh, paint and it's not the ink. All those decisions come after somebody has to have and hold an image in their mind, or they could say their heart if they want to be romantic about it. But we, we are guided by those sensibilities and the technique is adapted accordingly. And that's a that's a that's a contemplative question. Hmm. The the technique. My my last lecture was called Beyond Ductus and Exemplars. Beyond Ductus and Exemplars. And I got that because I was just thinking of when I look on social media, it's all about Ductus and Exemplars. But I go, that's the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's not the end. That's the beginning. Mm -hmm. That's just to get you up and running. You know, yeah. get you moving. And um, so. 
I don't care if you agree with that. I just want you to know, you know, that that's, if you're looking at what I'm doing, that's how I look at it. I make a lot of decisions and I basically, when I'm designing and making something, I'm resolving uh, questions that I have and trying to come up with the image that I think will work. And I think the fastest way to learn that is design beautiful pages, you know, make calligraphy into beautiful pages and not just practice sheets. And so what I do in my class, like at Cheerio is I make everybody, even though they're just handling a brush for that week, we all make book folios. And it's because you have to think a little bit about space, not just fill up a page with a bunch of stuff. And if I, I'm reflecting back on 40 years of what taught me things that making that beautiful page still a challenge. And that taught me each time taught me a lot. And uh, it tells you what weight the letter should be and all of that. So, and even calligraphers get confused by these questions because they'll say, Oh, well, you have to learn first. That is true. That is true. So, uh, but eventually there are levels beyond that. Um, and all the greats, go to those next levels. Uh, Jan Chikol doesn't go, okay, let me get out an exemplar. You know, <laughs> he's been gone for a long time and let me, I have to design a page. It's already in him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, so anyway, it's, um, I don't think uh, the great golfers have to look at a video of how to swing a golf club, you know, or, or does Tiger Woods go, uh, gee, this is how uh, Arnold Palmer held his thing. So I have to do it that way. So, the, but, so it's just one of the myths that the, uh, that if they see my hand do it, that that's going to teach them how to do it. Cause nowadays everybody, when I do a workshop, everybody's got the phone out right there, you know, and I, I'm going, all right, if you think it's going to help, you know, I mean, uh, I don't think so. And how does that explain people who are wonderful digital artists? You know, they, that's all from their head to here. How they hold the Apple pen, you make any difference? You know, no. Hmm. So anyway. I think we're running quite a lot. So I have a two or three more questions and we'll wrap up. So you mentioned earlier with some of the masters you've been studying, you, you mentioned that they have something like their favorite student. Well, correct? Johnston is, it's famous, it's well known that his first really masterful student was Irene Wellington. Mm -hmm. And but actually, she was better than him, you know, uh, you know, if you if all said and done, I mean, but Johnston is to be respected for being an, an original person, uh, the guy who brought this to us, this whole idea of historical hands and following the lineage of writing. I read Wellington, I just, in my opinion, was more of an artist, you know? She had the metho methodology of, of Johnston, but she did artistic things that cannot be explained by just that she studied with Johnston, so. So my point of my question was, with all the people you've taught and workshops that you've done, I mean, you're, do you have like, not favorite, but there, are there some young people that made you impression and, you're like, okay, there, there is maybe some great potential here. Or, and the second part of the question is, do you have some people which are young, new generations that, that are doing good in your opinion? Well, um, the yes, absolutely. Uh, very bright young students. Um, and I think 
for them, it's only a matter of desire, you know, whether mm -hmm. they, in 10 years now, they're going to want to still do this or it's going to be something else. As far as there's lots of young people, I mean, the one that impresses me is not a calligrapher per se, but obviously Jessica Hish. I mean, um, she's like rules the world in lettering right now, you know, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's deserved. Uh, I, I, I think that she's really figured out a lot of things and uh, super bright, you know, but if you, you want me to just limit to calligraphy? Is, is your question just about calligraphy? Well, I asked about calligraphy, but like lettering, everything is welcome. You know, I'm just right. curious. Like, See, uh, and that's a good example because that's all about design decisions and uh, knowledge, things I was talking about. And there's no pen hold. It, it, that's just completely not available. Um, if you want me to be naming names, that, that catches me a little off guard. I, because that could be a little dangerous, uh, you know, but- uh, If you want, say, you cannot answer. I mean, it's no problem. Yeah, I'll tell you this. That's the main benefit of me being on social media is the fact that I do get young people in my classes. You know, mm. I'm not sure I would if I was just reliant on my reputation from the past. I think it would age out, but I do get young people because they are following me on Instagram. And in general, um, they, they've, they've been pretty bright and pretty sharp, you know? Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I can think of a few names, but that would be what will happen is I'll say that then, oh, you didn't say this person and then I'm kind of a jerk, you know? So, no, um, not at all. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's, there are some very talented people. What I wish for them is, um, and I wish this for everybody, is that the undiscovered, um, part is when you're going to add your voice, when it's no longer just what you picked up from teachers and books, but now your voice and move the, uh, I use the term move the ball forward, but uh, those people, uh, there haven't been too many of those so far, but uh, it's coming, it's coming. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I think is what, A, I'd like that message to be out there that that's a thing, that's important. You know, mm -hmm. um, and believe it or not, something I've tried to do in my own life. But it's also, um, as they say, beyond exemplars, there's a life of how you incorporate this into um, into work that you would do as an artist or as a graphic designer. And uh, some people have not quite figured that out yet, to be expected. Um, and we'll see. We'll see if there's truly a renaissance. Uh, uh, to me, by the way, the renaissance was everything that came before and one more something new, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so w that something new is the thing I'm looking for. Uh, nice. and, and hopefully it's not uh, in the form of an iPad. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I get that they're fun and all that, but uh, that's a different conversation. I don't like them as well, so no well, problem. Actually, Luca Barcelona. I forgot to mention Luca Barcelona. There's there's an example that uh, he's starting to imprint his own thing onto stuff, you know, and um, it's he, he's bringing something from graffiti, right? So mm -hmm. uh, so that sensibility and there's that that I think he's Russian. He goes by Pokra. Pokra Slumpus. Uh, yeah. Now I I don't know much about him, so I might look but uh 
I'm not educated about that, but there seems to be a look there. And then um, there are those twins from Ukraine. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, I, I, you know, it is. I knew their name. I just didn't want to say it because I, I want to say it wrong. But, um, uh, but they, they, they seem very developed also in terms of uh, like there's a good education program. Like maybe there's even calligraphy being taught in school there. I don't know. I've never spoken to them. So, uh, but you know, so there's there's some young people. You know, right? Yeah. I'm. I'm first. I'm surprised by the names you mentioned, and second, I'm happy because. Both Pokers and Vika and Vita are also in the team, and this just makes me happy. And it's all right. Nice. Well, good, good, good. Well, what it is is I see um, I, what I see. Okay, let's just talk about Vika and Vita, right? Yeah. Is that what you said? Okay. Yeah. So um, I see they're interested in classical letters, and I see they're interested in expressive work. I don't know how they divvy up the work between them, you know. <laughs> uh, but that's that's a mystical thing unto itself. But um, but the thing is, they're interested in both things, and that's a little like me, you know. Mm -hmm. That's uh, I'm interested in both worlds. So they, I'm going to guess that they have very bright minds, and uh, you know, I don't want to uh, compare myself. But but so that's exciting to see. And I don't know. The thing about uh, poker um, is that I see. Uh, a lot of rock star kind of stuff going on there too, you know. So, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> and and I, I don't relate as much to that, you know. Uh, I see kind of a Bowie thing going on sometimes, you know, or you know, like, uh, and it's not even his name, right? That that's like kind of a a tag. Well, it is actually. I mean, he explained it to me when I met him and Pokras Lampus. It's it's actually something. It's Russian words, and it means like. Uh, Two two lines. This is basically what it means. Two lines, something uh, like two strokes, something like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, I know he's, I know he's really talented, and and uh, and and the rock star thing is not. I'm not being cynical. Uh, it's this desire to do it on a big stage, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know that that you know I I never had that desire, so that's why I noticed that. Yeah, I know it's not for all artists and I mean many people are not for this but because I know him and I know how he thinks for him somehow it's it with him it's fine like it goes well and because he's also very hard working and I mean there's a much respect for him because I've watched the, almost his whole process of building up to where he is now and I saw how he was studying all the different uh, cultures like Japanese and Arabic and uh, Cyrillic, and then from all this, he just made made this crazy mixture, with, which also looks stunning, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, it's really cool. Well, he's, he's he's gotten a lot of attention out of it. Not to mention, he has the world's biggest piece of calligraphy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as long as I'm mentioning young people, uh, let's talk about the ones in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, okay. There's a bunch of really good people down there too. Uh, we taught, I taught down there, and uh, but they're enthusiastic, talented, and it's one of the most. Um, it's just a really energetic, talented group of people, and they're like a real family down there. So, so yeah, that's how I do things. I have to go around the world in my mind and think about who's doing what. But uh, they're always posting, and uh, you probably. Uh, one of those people, Claudio, is going to be at this Slovenian thing. So uh, oh, yeah. I just remembered that. Well, so 
fragmented, but um, so let me see. I touched on Russia, Ukraine, Brazil. Uh, <laughs> um, I just said, we got a couple of people here in the United States uh, that are really, uh, really doing some interesting things. And um, <sighs> let's see, young people, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Hong Kong. Well, keep, a, keep an eye on um, Japan and um, South Korea. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, there's some real interest uh, um, around you know, in Western calligraphy in those two places too, you know, and uh, check it out. Okay. Yeah. And my last question is, is, what is the advice that you have received about calligraphy that has helped you the most? Wow, you should have said that one in advance so I could think about it. Um, <laughs> well, we can think about it. That, that has helped me the most. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I hate to just give an uh, off-the-cuff answer about that, but, um, yeah. I, I hate to say it, but I have to think about that one a little bit. No worries, no that's, helped me the, that's helped me the most. Yeah, something that helped you a lot to on your journey or to improve, or I don't know, something that was really like maybe game changing or something. Well, I mentioned at the beginning of this, the sign painter I was working for, Tony, um, mm -hmm. he was very encouraging. And I think that is something that lives on still with me, meaning, um, you know, had he been not so encouraging maybe i would have kept searching maybe i would have gone on to another career but the fact is he was just uh he seemed like he he believed in what i was doing what i was capable of and um that, that still comes up for me you know i still think about that um and you know like what was uh like we all want to show ourselves who we really are beyond the surface and i, I felt like he grasped that um, so his was, you know, just like kind of a keep learning thing, you know, um, he wasn't that interested in the calligraphic world. So he, it's not that he wouldn't know about it. He just, you know, he knew I'd go into it deeply though, you know, that kind of thing. Hmm. And then the, the second person that what popped into my head when you said that was, I told you already, uh, John Benson just saying to me, anybody can create a good letter, making a good page. Now, that seems like that would be the theme because I've already said about creating a good page. But since then, as, as recently as my most recent commission, I find that is still the biggest challenge is, mm -hmm. is, is making a, a good page that's beautiful in and of itself and, and is of calligraphy. And the person that came to mind was uh, Rudolf Spemann. Uh, he obviously, he died before I was born, but, um, but it just had an elegant, masterful touch to stuff. But yeah, okay. If I if I think of a better one, I'll I'll email it to you. That's great. I think it's perfect. I want to thank you very much for this podcast. I'm uh, flattered. I'm super honored. I'm super happy. I like I can't express <laughs> how I feel. It's feels well, amazing. Yours like I mean, you made me feel also comfortable. Uh, thank you for this. I think you're an amazing person. It's it's really been great talking with you. Well, and thank you. For the end, I just want if you for the people who are watching or listening or people who are considering maybe to start calligraphy, if you could, can wish them something or piece of advice, it's up to you. 
or if you want to promote anything for you that's a workshop or something upcoming just feel free to do it well i mean just you know i'm i'm not promoting anything but uh but this is my first podcast (laughs) um first one i was ever on and um you know uh so just seeing enthusiasm in the in this field uh as i started i said when i began it was kind of a lonely path i mean meaning that not many people were doing it in some ways that was better for my income but uh, <laughs> uh but but yeah it was uh now to see it that it's so commonly accepted and people are just doing it and doing it all the time uh it's an adventure to see where this will all go and as i said hopefully uh, I will like the podcast <laughs> and, and uh, make me look good. Milan. Of course, you're looking great. <laughs> you're looking great. <laughs> um, but uh, so I'm trying. This is me trying to participate uh, in what's going to on today. It's much appreciated, and I'm sure much more people will appreciate it. And uh, I really hope to meet you in person and to have a workshop with you. Well, maybe someday I'll get to Europe. Or I'll get to USA. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, it's great to meet you. Thanks. Uh And um, I guess I look forward to seeing what this turns into. And I have to email you a recording. Yes. Yes. Okay. And that's it. That was the podcast with uh, the legend, John Stevens. Uh, It was funny (laughs) editing the podcast. Why it took three years to release the podcast? The reason is uh, back then... I had an old computer, old hard drives and stuff like this. So the hard drive where I was keeping the podcasts got damaged and it took more than a year and a half to fix it. And after I fixed the hard drive and took the files, just it was a period in my life where I I had just moved from another city and everything was a mess. But yeah, I managed to release the podcast. When John saw that I'm releasing the podcast, he was like, is this even uh, up to date? Shouldn't we record it again? And I decided not to re-record the podcast because it it was important to share this whole experience, how it was and in its purest form. So yeah, I really hope you enjoyed the podcast, guys. Uh, a like, a comment, and a share will be much appreciated. Subscribe to the channel. And as always, keep writing.